What's up, nerds? Welcome to The Captain's Quarters, the unofficial Star Trek rewatch podcast where we are rewatching the entire Star Trek franchise, starting at the beginning of the official Star Trek chronology. My name's Gabe, and I'm with my co-captain, Jason. Make it so, Jason. Hello, Mon Capitan. How are you? I'm excited. I'm excited to be talking to you, as always. Same. It's the best night of the week for me, man. And we have Ditto. our... We have our work cut out for us. This is a jam-packed episode. There's a lot going on. So yeah. Yeah, there's a lot to talk about tonight. Yeah, so today we're talking about Star Trek Enterprise. Um, and we are talking about the episode called Damage from Season 3, which is Episode 19 of the third season. And this whole season, the Enterprise has been trying to find a weapon made by a group called the Zindi, which is a multi-species society. And they made a weapon that is going to destroy Earth. It's kind of like the Death Star. They already sent a miniature one to Earth that killed millions of people. And so Jason and I have been going through 19 episodes now of this one story arc and it's finally coming to a conclusion, and we're excited about this <laughs> because it's gone on forever. And uh, so, last episode in Azadi Prime, they they went to a, a planet called Azadi Prime, and they located the weapon. And this whole time, we thought they were going to destroy the weapon. Turns out that they were going to try to actually strike a deal with the Zindi because the Zindi were actually misled by this trans-dimensional sphere-building group that convinced the Zindi that Earth... Or so we think. Or so we think. <laughs> yeah. That convinced the Zindi that the Earthlings were responsible for, um, in the future, destroying the, the Zindi race, when actually the sphere-builders bu- were just doing that as a means of winning a war. Uh, a war 400 years in the future from this show. And um, so where we left off was that Archer had gone down to Azadi Prime, was was captured by the Zindi, but he had made inroads with one of them, one of the Zindi named Degra. And it appears he convinced Degra that everything I just said is true. And at the same time, when Archer was down there, the Enterprise was attacked by Zindi ships and basically disabled uh tons of hole breaches i think 14 crewmen were killed is that what they said yes sir yes sir yeah and so that's where we left off last episode so going into this episode the enterprise is in shambles there's breaches everywhere they can't even get to cargo because because there's so many breaches um everything is down they can't even go at impulse obviously warp is down they are because they don't know what happened to Archer. They don't know about him striking up a deal with Degra, etc. Uh, they, for all they know, Archer is dead, and that he died attempting to destroy this this weapon. So they're they're trying to repair the ship. To Paul, because she's like second in command, she has assumed the role of captain. Uh, but to Paul is having issues she's having issues controlling her emotions 
and um, she's not necessarily all there and it's difficult because the crew is in complete crisis um, you know the medical bay is overwhelmed uh, Tucker's literally putting out fires left and right and in the midst of that a Zindi like pod approaches and they bring it in to the Enterprise and it has Archer an unconscious Captain Archer who as it turns out we learn from a um, a zoom over to the uh, the Zindi council that the 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 reptilians um, have basically um, finally crossed the line and really isolated themselves from the other groups um, with on the Zindi council and so Degra and uh, two of the other species are basically like trying to stonewall the rep the reptilians and Degra basically believes Archer they kind of lie to the reptilians about what they're going to do with Archer but what they end up doing is is they they actually sent him back to the Enterprise and they left a uh, decoded message that um, was saying um, like they're going to have a rendezvous point and um, uh, so we also get a glimpse at one of the sphere builders uh, do we know what their species is called Jason? no 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 we don't no we don't yes so she is uh, you know she's she's transdimensional so she's like talking to the council and she's kind of like coming in and out of our dimension as she's walking around the room and talking but there they confront her with the evidence that archer provided that they had that the sphere builders had lied to the council and they're saying you told us this we acted on it what's going on here she lies and maintains that you know no archer is the one who's lying but they don't believe her because archer actually had physical evidence in the form of a medallion that was um, able to be uh, carbon dated and it in fact was from the future and uh, it proved um, that that in the future the zindi and the humans are actually aligned against these these trans-dimensional aliens and um so you know uh ensign sato decodes the message figures out there's a rendezvous point but they figure out that this rendezvous point is three light years away and they can't move at warp and they can't so they can't get there in time so at the same time uh another ship that we've never met of a species we haven't met comes uh into uh, the proximity of the enterprise um they make contact and it turns out it's just like just kind of a random exploration um voyage of this this group who doesn't even under doesn't even know who the zindi are and uh was just kind of exploring the area 
they actually reached out to the Enterprise because they were having trouble with the gravitational anomalies. Archer's like, hey, you need some Trillium D. How about we give you some Trillium D if you give us your warp coil? Because we need to go rendezvous. And um, their new friend is like, no deal. Um, we're three light years from our home. Um, and we can't get there without a warp coil without, you know, going at, at impulse, I guess, for three years. And um, Archer's negotiating pretty hard. Um, they're like, sorry, no deal. And uh, so they part ways. But then Archer uh, reveals the unthinkable, which is that he is going to commandeer their warp coil. And he basically orders everybody and presents his case like we don't have a choice. We either do this or, uh, I, I guess the or is that the Zindi will win the war and destroy Earth. So the stakes are as high as they get. So they literally form a, a party and they, they um, transport to this ship and they uh, have a gun battle with these aliens and they steal their warp coil. And, um, you know, they get back to the Enterprise. They, they do uh, leave these aliens with a lot of food and Trillium D because Archer, you know, hasn't gone full Walter White at this point. But, uh, Breaking Bad reference. But, uh, uh, I see. I got you. <laughs> That was for me. That was for me, not 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 to any of our listeners. <clears throat> yeah. Great show, Jason. You should watch it. Um Well, so I've heard. Yeah. Um So they're going and uh they're gonna go to the rendezvous point. And then so the thing with T'Pol where she was irritable and irrational and uh also like not only was she irritable and irrational when when Captain Archer was presenting his plan, she is strongly opposed rationally, but she's also emotionally kind of like, she, you know, she confronts him. She ends up like slamming this electronic uh, down and destroying it. And uh, that's when she admits that she's having trouble controlling her emotions. So as it turns out, all the way back early in this season, when we learned that the Vulcans uh, have a, um, that Trillium is toxic to Vulcans and it turns them into these like zombie monsters, it turns out that when she experienced that, she unlocked some emotions and it was like exciting for her. And so she has been like, small like dosing micro dosing trillium as a way of like kind of like tripping she's like tripping on trillium and uh this whole season it's of, an addiction yeah it's an addiction just say it buddy yeah she's she's addicted um and i could probably make another breaking bad reference here uh because it's a meth show but anyway uh yeah so this whole season apparently she's been microdosing this stuff we had no idea, but um, this might explain her 
her little fling with Tucker. Um, you know, the way that she described it as she was just experimenting with human sexuality. Like, I feel like that was kind of along the same lines here. But anyway, so she tells uh, Dr. Phlox, who um, is going to help her. But, uh, you know, she's having, like, withdrawals. And basically, because because the Enterprise was in shambles, she couldn't get to the cargo hold area, and she couldn't get to the Trillium. And, it, you know, at one point in the show, she does put on a spacesuit and goes and gets some, and we see her, we see her, like, diffuse it and, like, inject it. And, um, and so, yeah, it leaves with, uh, with them, with the warp coil in their possession. They head off to the rendezvous point with this other group basically stranded that they stole from. And uh, that was it. That was the episode. Pretty shocking. What do you think, my man? No, I I really wanted to. Um, no, I was gonna. I'm sorry, but I'm sorry, buddy. But uh, I'm gonna turn it back on you. I wanted to get um, your thoughts uh, first. Um, yeah. I know you. You know. I know you talk a lot. Uh, I know you. You know. You take us through the episode, and you know you've been. But I, I really wanted to get your thoughts on this one. Specifically, let's go uh, to Paul first, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. yeah, let's go to Paul first. And what you thought of the character and the revelation that she's, you know, been addicted for the last three months to Trillium D and what that means to you as an audience member and how that's kind of played I gotta into s- her character this season. I have to or say, at least for the last, you know, I don't know, half dozen episodes, I guess. Yeah, I have to say, Jason, I can't help but think that this was a way for them to button up the Tucker thing, but while also incapacitating her enough so that she is innocent of this whole plot that archer has hatched and i i feel like as opposed to it being like an actual interesting or like well thought out thing that they did i feel like it was a a device that the the showrunners used to sideline to paul um uh you know not physically but you know yeah. like metaphorically sideline her yeah. so that these other things could happen and it just like happens to fit in with this like new adventurous experimental to Paul that we've seen with Tucker and stuff and kind of a way to like use that Tucker thing to ex- to like explain this to like show that to Paul is you know not of the right mind and that's why she's kind of acting out and it has been acting out for a while so, be- because I do wonder, what would a Stone Cold Sober to Paul do uh, if Archer had suggested this plot? Like, you know, um, she is very rational, but I also feel like she's um, by the book, right? Mm-hmm. And I wonder if I wonder if a stone cold sober to Paul would have like overpowered Archer and like physically apprehended him and stopped him. 
Oh, from stealing the warp core. From stealing yeah. the Illyrian captain. Right. The Illyrian's warp core. Right. Yeah, interesting. 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 So that honestly, I didn't really, I didn't have much more of a thought than that. Okay. Um, cause I, cause the way that she like all like just randomly out of nowhere revealed that this trillium experience from way back on the Valhalla was that was that this ship's called the um uh yeah the, I think so. yeah Va- I think so Valania or something um yeah I forget it, it I was forget. the Vol- oh, oh, oh the um the Salea, right Salea, thank you i was way off um thanks buddy i'm glad you're i'm glad you have more brain brain cells uh, that are working right now than me uh so um so like just like the that we're just now learning that that experience had like opened this gateway um mm-hmm. for her to me feels like just contrived like yeah um so that was that was the extent of my of my thoughts on that. I could be wrong. Okay. So. Okay. Okay. Um, and then so the Archer thing, you know, we always talk, <laughs> we always talk about how this show, or maybe this franchise, uh, does does this, right? The moral play, and uh, it's the best thing about uh, this show in my mind, and. Uh, it's pretty drastic. Like I was honestly like really disturbed by it. It was really, really jarring. Um, they didn't, and they didn't I'm, like super explain that like their their guns were set to stun. Um, yeah. When they had the, yeah, they threw yeah. a grenade at one point at the uh, the Illyrians. Would you call them? The Illyrians. Il- yeah. Illyrians. They threw yeah. a grenade at him, and he goes, "It's a stun grenade." But like other than that, um, it just looked like they were shooting at each other. Yeah. So it reminded me of the story that I heard in the news a few years ago, where this like expedition group that was like climbing like Mount Everest or something, and there was something like an avalanche or weather or something, and their path home got cut off, and they were in this like dire situation. And so the guides like hoarded all the food and supplies away from the group who had like paid them. And there was this talk of like them um, like getting into a fight with the guides to like get back the, uh, the food and stuff because they thought that like they didn't know for sure. That was the whole thing. They didn't know what the guide's intentions were. See, like, I mean, I wasn't there, but I read it as the guides were just going to make sure that it was appropriately rationed because it's an emergency situation. Now we need to like ration, but like, so it was like whoever I was listening to talk about it on the news or whatever was like saying like, what would you do in that situation? Because it's, if it's, if it's us versus them, you know, you have to, you have to fight them and like there's no other there's no other conclusion and i just remember being like really kind of disturbed by that because to me there's another option which is talking it out and like hey can we ration this you know and it just didn't seem like that happened so that's just what this reminded me of and so and especially for like unless these people weren't 
like experienced mountain trekkers that you gotta like you gotta rely on your guides to like bring you back safe and like they know what they're doing they're guides you know on everest for a reason you know and this Mm -hmm. is not like some river cruise that you know you're gonna have food and all that kind of stuff you know all the time they're not trying to the guides aren't trying to screw you or anything yeah and i just remember hearing that whole situation and just observing how quickly the people on the expedition and the people commenting on it jumped to the conclusion that it was us or them and how quickly like people were able to to jump to jump to like the violent option typical and so yeah that's just a weird impulse to me that is not my impulse at all my impulse is to like I don't I don't know if it's lay down and die but like I I don't like um I don't know the the urgency that people jump to at some sometimes I just always think there's another way that like you can like you know uh kind of collect your thoughts and figure out a better way where people don't have to get hurt you know so um I thought it was disturbing and uh i didn't like it and i and i see and like to the point to the point where my head canon is that like in a later episode they're gonna fly back and save the that group yeah like mm-hmm. give them a warp coil uh give them back theirs give them a ride home ask for a ride i don't know something i feel like this is not over and that they're gonna like make it right um and like if that doesn't happen it's gonna be like hard for me to reconcile so that's it man what about you uh so in an episode going back to your first question this episode because of what we saw Mm -hmm. and the moral ambiguity uh, to both characters, to both to Paul and uh, Archer, more so Archer than to Paul. Mm-hmm. Um, this was this. I think I haven't I haven't looked at any lists, but this has got to be one of the more. This has got to be one of the better Star Trek episodes, and I feel like because I hadn't heard of that this is on some top 10 top 20 list or top you know however long you want to call it of star trek episodes i would say this is an incredibly underrated episode because of the moral ambiguity of uh what captain archer concludes to uh in stealing the warp core because again you talk about you talked about it earlier that there is a moral code um, a certain way that I think Star Trek fans want or expect or think that these characters should act in that, you know, Starfleet code of conduct, if you will. Mm-hmm. And this reminds me of a Star Trek Deep Space Nine episode called Deep, uh, called um, In the Pale Moonlight. And it is one of the most brilliant episodes and one of the... Again... 
it's very similar uh, where Captain Sisko has to make tough decisions in wartime, and I can't wait till we get to that one. And but it's a long way off. <laughs> it's a long way off. Um, just like the theme song. Um, but to that to that point, though. I think it makes a, it makes it an incredibly interesting discussion point to say, you know, what, you know, the the it, the call to steal the war. I mean, that's a tough one, right? That's, I mean, first, you know, let's get, you know, to even go and say, you know, we're going to strand these people out in space for three years before they can get home, um, or. You know, to even face up that, like, this is how you want to, like, as humans, this is not exactly first contact ambassadorial material, right? You know, you, you're you're coming along, you know, you're flying along as, a, you know, humans are flying along in this spaceship, in this starship and saying, oh, you know, we want to make first contact, we're peaceful, we're explorers, we don't want to... You know, we don't want to come off as warlike and, you know, warmongering and all that kind of stuff. And it's the exact thing that they're trying to prevent the Zindi. You know, they're trying to claim, the humans are trying to claim their, our innocence to this, to the Zindi. And yet, you know, in, in a minor, in a small way you know, because of the situation, because of the circumstances, we have to come back and turn it around and actually kind of be like, yeah, you know what, you know, we do have to, you know, this is going to come off as evil and barbaric and, you know, ruthless to come and attack your ship, (laughs) you know, and steal your warp core. Um, it's a, it's a tough situation. But honestly, you you know, looking at it from a character's perspective, you know, and looking at it from a story perspective and an archer perspective, do I love the, did I love the call? No. But I think it's something that he was forced into doing. And I don't think he would do that all the time. And and the other, the, and I think the tougher part about stealing the war core, and the more brave part that actually ended up happening, was coming face to face with the Illyrian captain mm-hmm. and telling him, you know, and having that that face off, right. right? That that discussion of. You caught me red-handed, mm-hmm. and you know, yes, I'm, you know, trying to help you a little bit and maybe ease my own conscience by, you know, giving you guys trellium and food and supplies and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But fact of the matter is, <laughs> yes, <laughs> you know, I am stranding you out here in space, and it's going to take you three years to get home. It's. it's yeah, it's it's something really tough to like stomach, but it makes a great discussion point for us, you know, podcasting and talking about it. 
uh, you know, in a in a barroom sense kind of deal. You know, the what if, right? Yeah. Like we do in sports. You know, when sports fans talk about this team or that team or whatever the case might be. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no. And your to your comment, I'm. You know, I would be. I would not be surprised if that was that with the Illyrians. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you would want them to come back and you know find them and take them home and give them their war corps back or something like that but i could also see in this era and what i mean this era but you know the in that era of star trek it that that we that we won't that you know they they don't they don't go back and say here's your war corps back you know mm-hmm. <laughs> we're trying to prevent a war in a uh, you know uh you know we're trying to prevent you know we're trying to save billions of lives you know millions if not billions of lives um i yeah so what made you so gutturally disgusted with this move and i'm not saying i disagree with you i'm just yeah no it's I'm true. like damn this is a tough one <laughs> yeah no it's true um no i was literally like it felt like it was guttural yeah it was like a gut punch i mean i guess just because it's like um as you said when he confronts the illyrian captain um played by casey biggs by the way who apparently yes i was yeah you st- yeah okay yeah he- Casey Biggs, Damar from Star Trek Deep Space Nine. <laughs> and I believe he guest starred on Voyager, I think. But yeah, Damar. Yeah, a Star Trek alum. So he, he confronts him and he says, I had no choice. And I just always think like, well, that's not totally true. You had a choice to potentially miss the rendezvous and figure something else out. You know, like, um, and like T'Pol says, like, you could be sentencing them to death. Like, yeah, you're giving them supplies, but you're, who knows what they'll encounter in the three years it takes them to get home at Impulse. Yeah. And, uh, and and you know you know me like my i come from like watching a lot of star wars like i feel like the good guys would never do this in star wars like it would yeah. it would forever mm-hmm. taint their their uh perfect image i guess mhm mhm um but that's a series full of a lot of magical thinking and uh, things just have have a way of working themselves out via the will of the force or or whatever it is but mm-hmm. um so i don't know i i i just like i i don't like a world where you say like that you like this is what it takes to lead and to succeed like you have to do some evil to accomplish a greater good yeah 
I just don't yeah. like it. There's just something about it. There's there's karma. Like I I don't you know I'm I'm not I'm not of that faith, but like I believe in karma. Like, okay. Um, I just I think it's something that accumulates, and uh, it's not worth it. It's not worth the karmic burden. No matter no matter what the no matter what you're supposedly accomplishing it's just not worth it so I guess that's ultimately where I come from I don't know okay yeah and like I'm gonna be really surprised if it doesn't come up again or not surprised but it's gonna be hard for me to to deal with it yeah so yeah I'm not saying that it won't. I'm just saying it might not. It would yeah. not it would not surprise me because of certain things that they've done at the time they were doing that I'm like, okay, yes, as episodic as it sometimes can be and or was, there are times where it's, you know, not so much and they just kind of move on from it. So I'm hoping that they do. Because um, it's a rotten deal. No question about it. It's a rotten deal. If you're in the Illyrian captain's point of view. Um, and that one hit me more, even more. Was that you had to come face to face. You know. This was like Jean Valjean. Coming face to face. With the uh, the bishop. Mm. Uh, in um, in um, Les Mis mm-hmm. and the bishop giving him the silver and giving him even more silver but also saying you know if you're going to steal take the goods but then turn this silver into something good right yeah so that was a t- that's a that's a that that was a tough one for me and um, and I agree with you I he did have a choice. Yeah, he, yeah, he damn, he darn well had a choice. <laughs> he just prioritized, you know, trying to prevent a war, um, and a conflict, and the destruction of Earth, and you know, p- potentially the invasion of the entire, uh, you know, the entire f- galaxy. Um, from these fear builders mm-hmm. so and yeah i i was also triggered by the the very last shot where um uh tucker takes the stolen warp coil or uh warp core and mm-hmm. and uh installs it and it's working uh, and he says to, to Captain Archer, he says, don't worry about them, Captain. They'll be all right. And it was kind of like a cheer up kid moment of like, you know, just like I felt like it really glossed over uh, the horribleness of what had just happened. And we were supposed to like buy into that. Like, um, and it, it was it just... I don't know. I felt like offended by that. <laughs> so. 
<laughs> but I think I think because of that scene, I like, like yeah, I don't think they are going to revisit it. I, like I said, that, mm-hmm, that's just me mm-hmm, hoping mm-hmm. they're going to. But mm-hmm. we're supposed to be like satiated by like, don't worry, it's it's okay, Captain, buck up. Well, it's, I mean, he also said, you know, but Tucker also said that, you know, he did the right thing, and you know, in the end, um, you you had to do what you had, you know, you had to do it. Yeah. Um. And. And it's not like it didn't weigh on our in, on Jonathan because he does say I keep telling myself that more and more, that it's okay it's it was okay and I had no choice and this was the priority this was the mission, you know this was to save the mission to save billions of lives prevent a war, um, and not to defend it but I will just point out like. From Garrick's point, you know, you know, and from a pale moonlight, you know, you have just probably saved the Alpha Quadrant, and what did it cost you? The uh, one criminal, one Romulan center, and the self-respect of one Starfleet captain, and that's a bargain. Um, and if he, and if this was able to save billions of lives prevent a war in the future and you know make a ship's journey home a little bit longer yes it's three years um and the self-respect of a starfleet captain i'm not sure yeah it's a tough one yeah it's a tough one but it's damn good tv huh buddy yeah no exactly exactly (laughs) exactly and it leads us to a great conversation um because of you know what ha- you know what we're talking about now so so what do you think's going to happen at this rendezvous uh i yeah so i think that okay so i think that degra will i think degra gives the enterprise more than just information i think they actually turn the tide a little bit okay and I think, and and you kind of saw that kind of hinting and brewing in the beginning because they were like, okay, you know, we have this medallion from the future and, you know, we're going to start to, be, you know, I think he wants to say more than I believe you. I think this changes the tide a little bit. And I think, but I also think it might be a little bit too late for the you know to to go against the reptilians because I think the reptilians are hell bent on you know yeah setting off the Death Star on Earth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, I think that Degra and the three Zindi groups are forever divided the primates i think yeah i i think the primates yeah the humanoids and the marine ones um i think yeah the aquatic ones yeah i think they're forever divided from the the insectoids and the reptilians like i think that's irreparably damaged right yeah i would i would think so i would Mm -hmm. think so yeah 
I don't know. We'll see. We'll see in the next episode. So, well, hopefully we see. Hopefully we don't take a detour. <clears throat> oh, you know what? I think you're right. I think we might take a detour on the next one. But we'll see. <laughs> I think we will. I mean, we've still got, what, seven episodes? Six episodes? It, yeah. I, I assume there's 26 of them. Um, and so, yeah, I didn't... Just so we, we, we pointed out Casey Biggs. I didn't realize that all those Zindi are, like, Star Trek alum. Like, uh... Are they? Randy Ogle... Like- Oglesby is from okay. Voyager. Oh, okay. Um, sorry, he plays Degra. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Scott McDonald. Um, maybe he's not. He, uh, yeah, he was on Deep Space Nine, Star Trek Next Generation, Voyager. Oh, wow. He plays uh, Commander Dolom. Uh, Tucker Smallwood was on Voyager. Um, and he's uh, he's a Zindi primate. Yeah. Uh, there's a character called Janar, played by um, Rick Worthy. And he has had several roles in the Star Trek franchise. Okay. Deep Space Nine, Voyager, uh, Star Trek film, Star Trek Insurrection. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's kind of interesting. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, this hap- this happens mm-hmm. a lot with the Star Trek franchise. Yeah. Yeah. That a lot of actors come back and, and play, you know, in in the, you know... In the movie, video games, uh, episodes, stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if we... Jannar. Oh, I wonder if he plays... I don't know if we've pointed these ones out a... before. He was the sloth. Oh, He's the sloth Zindi okay. on the council. Okay, okay, okay. I wonder if he plays a... Crewman or... An alien like a Klingon or a Romulan. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. So. Anyway, was there anything else about uh, this episode? You want to talk uh, about? Just some small things. Uh, not not huge. Uh, we got to see the transporter being used. They got transported off the Illyrian ship. I appreciated that. That was that was nice. That was kind of cool. Very cool. That was kind of cool. And then, um, you know, I forgot to mention that. You know, I I didn't see the addiction coming, um, and that she lied that saying that Tucker had equipment in the cargo bay that he needed, and like you said, she was lying because mm-hmm. there was trellium D mm-hmm. in the cargo bay that she was trying to go after, yep. and nearly and nearly dies from trying to get it. So, um, you know. Don't do drugs, kids. <laughs> Get high on life, not on drugs. That's all. Uh, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully she overcomes her addiction, huh? Yep. Well, I think they, I think they dressed it nicely. You know that that she's that she's gonna have support from the doctor, and uh, 
Yeah. Um, okay. Well, do you see that, uh, switching topics? Ryan Johnson's yeah. trilogy is possibly on I for saw Star that. Wars? Yeah, I saw that. I saw that. Did you do a Darth Vader? No. No, I didn't. Okay. Actually, I've said this before. I've said this, but I've said this before, buddy. Um, I think he could be a very good Star Wars director. I think he could be a very good Star Wars director. I just, but I always caveat it that I didn't think that he was a good Skywalker. Skywalker saga mm-hmm. director. I think he would have made a. I think he can make. I think he will develop a really. He could develop a really interesting story, and I'm definitely open to to watching and to seeing what he comes up with. Mm-hmm. Um, I just didn't think his vision fit the Skywalker saga. That's my only gripe. Yeah, you so, so this... How uh, could we ever forget uh, uh, Space Superwoman uh, Princess Leia? The Force is used like that. <laughs> yeah. So this... The three missing crewmen could have used that. Yeah, exactly. This uh, so this revelation came from like an interview that that Ryan Johnson did, where he okay. was reflecting on the Last Jedi that came out five years ago. Yeah, and he was. What did he say? He was talking about how divisive it was, and how like he was trying to get to the like essential component of the myth of luke skywalker and so by tearing down all those things that we like about luke he was getting to like the elemental piece of of the myth to paraphrase and so uh interesting yeah so there, there is this YouTube channel. Uh, That's a good try. It was a good try. I, but the, but the, but, but again, but you don't do that in the middle. <laughs> I, I don't think you can. I don't think you do that in the middle of a franchise. If he was given complete control mm-hmm. of bo- all three movies. And if he could have sussed out all of the things he wanted to do, mm-hmm. I'm skeptical, but I think that would have been okay, mm-hmm. and that's what we would have gotten, right? Yeah. In this instance, you can't just do that in the middle. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he kind of got a blank slate because this is a new loot. This was, you know, Jake Skywalker by the time we get to the middle mm-hmm. of this of this trilogy. I just, it just didn't work. I, yeah, I, I just didn't find it working because this is now Jake Skywalker, and I'm like, okay, now what? And yeah. then it just didn't wrap itself up in a bow nicely. Because I think Mark Hamill was really shortchanged. Yeah? Yeah. So, John Boyega came out. Uh, a couple days ago and said um, Rise of Skywalker should have ended with a Stormtrooper rebellion and more of 
Luke Skywalker, and if she had lived, Leia Skywalker, you know, Leia Skywalker, obviously, but mm-hmm. that kind of, that kind of hit a chord with me, I'm like, yeah, you know what, yeah, but he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> I know we've talked about this a lot, and I know your thoughts about that movie. I Yes. I am not as offended by it. It's not my favorite, like, um... It's not my favorite, like, decision. Okay, where does that movie rank in all nine? Like, you know, we're, you know, we love lists. Mm -hmm. Where does it rank? Number, uh, episode, what is it? Uh, Eight? Eight, yes. Mm -hmm. Um... I, I have a really hard time ranking them, to be honest. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I I do not disparage the sequel trilogy, uh, like most people do, and I actually okay. Yeah. I sure, actually sure, sure, sure. I actually totally connect with what uh, Johnson says about like you know stripping away like in like in Return of the Jedi, Luke's like this total badass. When he goes into Jabba's palace, he's like. He's like confident and poised and he's uh, mystical and he's just like in charge. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. You know, stripping all that away, he's still Luke Skywalker and, mm-hmm. and he still is extremely powerful. Yes. And he's still the hero of the story because because yes. like to me, like I know you said you didn't think it it concluded in a satisfying way but actually i i got kind of emotional in the last jedi when luke sacrifices himself to save everybody and and thus mm-hmm. you know save um whatever whatever the good guys as a group the resistance the resistance is that what they're called at that point yeah okay mm-hmm. so um because I kept saying, what are you resisting? <laughs> yeah, because the bad guys aren't in charge, right? They're, no. They're, no. Wouldn't the bad guys be called the resistance? You know what I'm saying? Aren't, yes. aren't they resisting yes, against exactly. this new republic? Yeah, so. Yeah, but, exactly. Um, but I guess they're resisting against the First Order. Right. Uh, which I... Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, uh, sorry, go ahead. Well, to me, it was like... Like, I, I feel like Luke was, like, defeated, but also had the thought of, like, guilt of, of like, how, how action led to something worse than inaction would have. Like, like Obi-Wan deals with, with Anakin. Had I not trained him, we wouldn't be here. Mm-hmm. If I had done nothing, things would be better. And like Luke's the same thing. If I had not tried to train Ben Solo, we wouldn't be here. And 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 like the idea of like letting the Jedi books burn and giving up on his school and just like becoming a hermit. Which by the way is exactly what Yoda did. He became a hermit. There's this whole galactic battle going on, and Yoda exiles to Dagobah. Yoda has nothing to do with the battle, even though 
he was immensely powerful. Yoda probably could have flown into the Death Star and killed every stormtrooper with his lightsaber. No, 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 not going into the what her hodo move no 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 <laughs> but but you just referenced the hodo what what's her name laura dern's character which i'm seriously disappointed no in the i'm way saying that i'm saying he could have like landed in the death star pulled out his lightsaber oh, okay, and okay and chopped okay, gotcha, down gotcha, like gotcha, everyone gotcha. on the space station like that's how powerful yoda was but he chose inaction because there's this thought of like you know um every action has a reaction and uh there's like this holier path of sitting around and meditating i disagree i disagree i disagree sorry buddy i disagree he was they were waiting for the kids to grow up that they will be nameless, so I don't spoil it for everybody else. But they were, but they were waiting for kids to grow up. They were waiting for the kids, and they were just defeated. But Yoda wasn't like killed. in a spectacularly massive way. Yeah, but the Emperor Palpatine like cut down everybody, and he defeated, uh, he defeated Yoda in the in mm, the throne room. No, he didn't defeat him. Defeat defeating Yoda would have been injury. He didn't even injure him. Yoda retreated. I think he he was injured, though. I think by destroying the entire academy and taking out the entire council, Mm -hmm. Sans, you know, him and, you know, uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi, I think that's, 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 that's injury. No, man. Yoda chose to leave. Yoda was on a path. Yes. A path of action and being proactive about trying to defeat the enemy. And he saw, yes, he saw that that was creating more evil than good. So he chose to leave, and he exiled himself. He withdrew from the conflict. Okay. And he stayed there, and he stayed out of the conflict. And in his absence, the Empire took over the galaxy. And we'll see. I mean, yes, we'll see. (laughs) We've already seen it all. I'm not, I'm I'm just saying that with all the new content and all the new things that are coming out, I'm referencing Andor here, but you know, and what we've seen is like it wasn't as nice and tidy, and I'm glad they're actually showing that that it wasn't actually as nice and tidy as the Empire was depicted uh, in the original trilogy. I, I'm glad they're adding some gray and there's like a rebellion there's saw guerrera there's a bunch of all these other characters in 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 maybe yes maybe in a small way but in the broad scheme of things i think in a fairly large way at the same time they're depicting that the empire isn't as you know it wasn't as one big happy family if you will as they had depicted previously I don't know, man. I, th- I think that there is a direct correlation between Yoda exiling himself as the most powerful Jedi in the universe and Luke exiling himself as the most powerful Jedi in the universe. Uh-huh. And 
you know, the sequel trilogy is all about echoing the past and reusing ideas. And is it really? Yeah. And I mean, boy, howdy. <laughs> and like, that's exactly what Luke did. He exiled himself. And um, I. Yeah, but the reason wasn't as good. It, but it was the same reason. Luke had all this am- it, ambition. It wasn't. It's not like he knew Rey and was waiting for her to grow. And yes, would that have been like a complete rehash of the original trilogy? Yes, absolutely. But then he decides not to like train her. Uh, yeah. Ah, yeah. <laughs> And oh, I'm oh, oh, and I will say that did Luke actually try to burn down the tree? He hesitated there. Um, and Yoda had to, you know, flick his finger for the lightning bolt to strike the tree. Because mm-hmm. Yoda knew that. Spoiler alert: Ray had already saved the books. <laughs> yeah, I. I, I I see what you're saying about... Which a lot of people forget, by the way. Can I just say that? That, like, she she did save the books. Mm-hmm. You know, page turners that they are not. But, yeah, mm-hmm. the, she did save the books. Um, so he's like, yeah, forget the tree. Okay. He, they've already... She's already saved the texts. Okay. Remember she puts them into a drawer mm-hmm. on, on the falcon? Mm-hmm. I, I I guess I do I guess I do disagree that like okay if Yoda was waiting for Luke I don't think it was um hatching a plan to destroy the empire Sure it was waiting for Luke to ensure that Luke didn't fall into the dark side Sure So so and so to, to hatch the plan to like confront and hopefully defeat no see that's the part i disagree with i oh interesting i know what you're saying i know what you're saying because yoda says it is your destiny or or um obi-wan says you cannot escape your destiny but um to me yoda has withdrawn into himself on dagobah and and all he cares about is connecting with the force and he's given up on the hero um you know his his role as the hero in this greater conflict and recognized that there's uh dire consequences consequences to the actions okay. uh, when you yeah. when you choose that path yeah and i yeah. and i think that's exactly what luke was confronted with was that he tried to do something and he ended up creating the next darth vader diet darth vader diet darth diet. vader yeah Diet Darth Vader. Come on, right. buddy. We both know it was Diet right. Darth Vader. And Diet Darth... So, I would buy that argument. Mm-hmm. And I do buy the argument. Mm-hmm. I actually do buy it. Yeah. But I buy it from... That... He was ashamed... Of... Disappointing his sister. Okay. And failing not the galaxy... Mm-hmm. but his sister and his friend and if they would have framed it that way and I know it's a it's a small niggly point but if they would have framed it that way 
then I I would have bought into the. Uh, you know, I would have bought into more of why he retreated. But but I mean, the point they made was that he was rejecting this whole Jedi code, this whole idea of an order of Jedi, mm-hmm. and the idea that he could somehow regrow the order into into its, you know, former glory. And he's rejecting it all. And then, mm-hmm. and the story concludes with him becoming one with the Force, and in the process, fulfilling his role as the hero because he, I mean, the his projection, his Force projection, takes on that whole battalion, which allows the yeah. rest of the good guys to escape, including Ray, who is uh, basically the new chosen one. So, yeah. I'm not saying that I'm like that I like it or that I love it or that um, that uh, I condone it, but I don't have major issues with it. I don't I don't see it as flawed. I don't think it's l- mm. like an invalid argument that Ryan Johnson mm-hmm. made mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. his film. Yeah, no, it was it, an interesting film. I, I I don't disagree with anything that you say. I'm just. For me personally, it just wasn't a saga film. Yeah, well, uh, that's all I'm saying. But there, there's a ton of people. So all of the Last Jedi detractors are of the mind that like the things that uh, Rian Johnson did to Luke Skywalker like forever tarnished his image. In in my in my head, I. I I buy into the idea that his that it led to a single moment of him meditating and getting absorbed into the force as a way of like this final like this last breath of that he could give um and and it like I don't know I it was it was a a very long walk for a short drink of water as they say yeah, but it, yes, but at least yes. it was something. It was um, maybe it wasn't the best, but it it wasn't like um, uh, like a, it wasn't like a failed failed logic. It was just maybe not that great of Star Wars. So if Luke had done it to save Ben and Ray mm-hmm. at the end yeah. of the nine whatever saga number that yeah. is yeah. um i think that would have been more poignant mm-hmm. but you know ryan did what he did and you know just a little disappointed in the way that you know but again we talked about it i i'm i'm excited for you know i i'm 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 gonna i'm pro you know i'm i shouldn't say excited i'm open to watching whatever he makes um and i'm sure it's gonna be interesting and good and something to talk about i just didn't think that he was right for a saga film especially plopped in the middle and when he introduced so many changes in one in a middle film Mm -hmm. yeah that you know it just kind of felt out of place i think isolated you know, I think it would have been it would have been a really cool and interesting movie, but in the but in the my only gripe, and again, I don't 
really have the same mindset as all the Last Jedi detractors. I'm just saying, you know, he turned Luke into Jake, and that, you know, he made this entirely new alternate kind of Star Wars movie in the middle, and it just doesn't... For me, it just didn't fit. Well, but but that is that is what the detractors say so there's what i was what i was saying oh. was there is there's this very influential youtuber he has like 3.3 million subscribers and i think yes. his channel is called star wars theory okay and he's said exactly that but instead of he used more colorful language he's like yeah he turned luke skywalker into a little bitch who like yeah. hides and you know runs from the conflict etc cetera, et cetera. yes but yes um, you know, uh, Luke wasn't afraid. He was just, he was, uh, I mean, if he was afraid, it was, it was just well informed in my head. It was like these, the, the force and the Jedi order and being a Jedi Knight does not mean getting involved with these types of wars. Mm hmm. And his devotion is yeah. is to the force. Yeah. And I don't but, I don't like think that makes Luke weaker. If anything, that's makes him stronger because that's uh, he's closer to the source of truth that it, okay. that it means to be a Jedi. Right. And 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 that's totally fine. Mm -hmm. And and again, that's totally fine. I'm not disagreeing with you on that. Yeah. The gripe that I have is like you lost Ben Solo to Kylo Ren. We'll go get him back. Like you did it like you know, you you helped bring Anakin and help defeat Darth Vader and bring Anakin back your father. Mm -hmm. And you know, we've obviously and obviously the Jedi have lost pupils before, mm -hmm. you know, Yoda lost Count Dooku uh you know, Qui Gon. Yeah, uh, Qui Gon lost. Qui Gon lost. You know, whomever else that he lost. Xanatos. Okay. Yeah. I, I. Right. And but then he comes back and says, you know, I'm going to train Obi Wan Kenobi. Obviously. Mm -hmm. So they always come back, and I'm just, you know, and they're always waiting for that next one, right? And like, and Luke has already lost Grogu for Pete's sake. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know that I know I know I know Grogu comes after Mandalorian technically comes after you know in the in the whole timeline of the not not in universe but like after but we now know that he's already lost one student yeah right he's already mm -hmm. lost a pupil mm -hmm. to 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 a Mandalorian no uh, <laughs> um, but you know my thing is like that's not the character arc that Luke I think um would have I, I I thought it was just a kind of a disservice to the character that's all okay I'm like whoa you know it's like there's this nice little arc mm -hmm. and then there's like this big schism like this like anomaly like an earthquake happened mm -hmm. and then it like you know it kind of goes back to normal again a little bit right yeah, I hear you're saying. I mean, you know, JJ d did his best in nine to kind of 
resuscitate Luke and bring Luke back from Jake. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, but, yeah. I'm, I was just disappointed that, you know, he didn't, like, try to go back and save Ben from Kylo Ren. Because that's what I think Luke Skywalker but, would have done. But in his mind, he created Kylo Ren. So, so in Luke's mind... In, yeah. In Luke's mind, I don't disagree with that. In Luke's mind, Luke is the problem. Yeah, I don't. I don't disagree with that. So, I, so the, again, so I the do solution. not disagree with that. But this is where you and I disagree. The solution. Yeah. This. I think the solution the is to Skywalker remove Luke from the equation. Nah, nah. And dude. that's the heroic thing. Nah, dude. And that's where we have our disagreement, <laughs> right? I don't disagree with you on anything else. It's just the conclusion that he comes to is not the logical one that you would think that Luke Skywalker would have come to. I see. I do think it is because I think it takes a lot of bravery to admit that he is like outgunned. Like he's trying to he's trying to apply this um, ancient idea of of creating a school out of this mm-hmm. this religion mm-hmm. and he couldn't handle it yeah i agree and so yeah, he's, uh, he's yes. abandoning his premise of that he has the power to go save dude, people from yeah. these things dude dude yeah. dude buddy yeah i agree with you i agree with you a hundred percent you know running around and like you know running around Dagobah for like a rocky you know kind of training kind of deal on mm. Dagobah it's not going to get you to become a Jedi master right mm. and it you know that's not really going to get you to becoming a Jedi master mm. you know and confronting your father you, you know again he was too old right but at least for your sister's sake for Han's sake at least go and try to bring Ben back and save him from Kylo Ren. But see, I just don't agree that that it's not logical because like, to me, it's logical to like associate his action as the problem. Okay. Young Luke was ready to go tackle the empire. Mm -hmm. See, this is the, what, builds in my mind yeah is that young luke was ready to go tackle and defeat the empire by himself yeah Mm -hmm. right right he wanted to be with his friends he wanted to go out with Biggs and blah 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 right so then in this in the conclusion that he draws this only brings this brings me to a conclusion that they and this is the ridiculous part of it, is that they up the stakes mm-hmm. and up the ante then. And they're saying, okay, Snoke is more powerful than Darth Vader, and Kylo Ren is more... I, I'm sorry, Snoke is more powerful than the Emperor, and Kylo Ren is even more powerful than his grandfather, than Darth Vader, I'm sorry. And I just don't buy that argument. I'm, that's why I keep calling you know Kylo Ren Darth Vader light. I'm like, if you could go fight Darth Vader in the throne room and bring your father back, then I don't understand. Then I didn't. I just didn't understand, like why you would give up on your nephew, other than the shame of hey, he's my nephew, and I let down my brother-in-law and my sister. 
Yes. But to gain myself back, hmm. I'm going to go out there and get him back. And see, I think he thinks that any action he took could only make it worse. I don't think he's, like, down in the dumps and that he's, like, hanging his head in shame. I think he's, like, there's nothing I can do and that's what I need to contend with is learning how to do nothing. And see, and that's where I, and that's where I disagree. Like, my the Luke Skywalker I know, and darn it, he would not have given up. He would not have given up so easily. And that's all. That's all. Like, that's not what you do with your friends. Okay, so, so, so then, why did he go after Han Solo? Because, um... Why did he save uh, be, Han Solo because, from Jabba the Hutt, no, then? Yeah, no, I see what you're saying. Be, because, um... Infiltrating a mob boss's base when you have the force and a, and a laser sword is an achievable goal but but teaching somebody which something which is something he's never done mm-hmm. um who is you know strong with the force because the force runs strong in his family yes is a just a different animal and he rushed into it and it had catastrophic consequences Yes. And he's aware of that. And so as much as it probably pains him, and I think that is his pain, is that he wants to jump into action, but he has to fight his impulse to do so because he knows that it's only going to make it worse. And then he's trying to unlearn how how to be Luke Skywalker. The man, the myth, the man of action, the myth, and and get closer to the force, which, which is all that matters. Even okay. even if the universe is falling under the first order, which I'm still not clear. I know the Star Killer thing blew up the new capital, but um, I'm still not clear. Was the first order in charge after that point of the galaxy? Well, I no, I don't think they were. I I I think when they destroyed the new Coruscant, that you know, mm-hmm. whatever, it would have it it would have left the New Republic in disarray for sure, and would have definitely left a vacuum mm-hmm. of power there that they could creep in, yeah, to and and um and start taking over. Mm. And that would have been an interesting story, but they didn't tell that, did they? No. No, they didn't. No. <laughs> they they were so scared of the prequels that had too much <laughs> politics involved that Disney was like, "No, no, 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 no. No, no." <laughs> Not going there again. See, my problem with the last Jedi is uh a problem that I have with most uh, things like this that I consume, which is, um, uh, you could you could just like, you could put yourself in Ryan Johnson's head. You could just see the wheels turning. You could see him saying, yeah. 
wouldn't it be interesting if and you know if anyone ever says that with your favorite uh intellectual property just jump into the nearest moving vehicle because mm. <laughs> i promise you it's not gonna be satisfying yeah because then then it's all ego at that point sure and it's uh this is what everyone expects how can i um how can i like uh you know trick them in in or how can i lead them down a completely unexpected path in a convincing mm-hmm, way mm-hmm, and that's mm-hmm, like their mm-hmm. ego's challenge mm-hmm, and, sure um and like to me like you know i've talked about this before like like this is star wars like this is this is a big space opera where the hero saves the damn it's a family soap opera actually that's a space opera where the the it's a family soap opera. the hero saves the the princess the damsel in distress i mean can you not see this happening on a geraldo episode luke luke literally storms the father of your child luke yes you are the father luke luke literally stores i hate that by the way uh luke storms the castle saves the princess they literally s- you hate what the Geraldo thing <laughs> oh okay well you know to me that's the ryan that johnson wasn't a that's the ryan johnson thing in the empire strikes back but anyways there wasn't a what a light smooch uh and the empire strikes back but go ahead no it's it's a big space opera where the hero storms the castle and saves the princess from from the. Yeah, it's a family soap opera. When, yeah, three of the main characters are family members. Yeah, that's a family. It's a family soap opera. I mean, yeah, but you you hear George talk about his his inspiration. You know, uh, spaghetti westerns was like the big one. Yeah, and... I don't. I I'm not questioning what his. I'm not questioning that, but for me, the Skywalker saga is the Skywalker saga because it's about three generations of a family for sure, and the what's going on around them. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah. Well, uh, so to me, I, I I just like wouldn't it be interesting if just has no place in star wars and that i think that's exactly what happened and so he uh, he succeeded in creating like the most unexpected star wars movie but no question at the expense of it just tonally felt just out of nowhere and it was just like yeah exactly i I just didn't care um like i didn't I wasn't if if it was a standalone like a separate story I would have been fine like not not a yes. Star Wars not even a Star Wars movie just a completely different film in a different universe I would yes. I would have been like oh that was that was pretty good um but but like just the pure ego of being like well how can I like uh what are the, all these interesting choices I can make with this established you know construct and mm-hmm. uh, that was just pure ego on his point, uh, on his part. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's that's all I've been saying. I like I said, I know you think I don't like Ryan Johnson. Mm-hmm. I it no, I don't. It's not that. It's just his one film didn't fit in the middle. And like you said, it would have been a great standalone movie, and it would have been a great you know it would have been a good standalone movie, 
and I and to me I think it is a good standalone movie in my mind just because I've changed some of the name you know to, the names and identities have been changed to protect the real innocent lives of this story I've done that in my I can I've done that in my mind that's why he's Jake Skywalker mm. um yeah. you know See, I think I think we we like we just we dislike it for different reasons. To me, it's just about yeah, to absolutely. me it's about tone for you. It's about the actual choices that were made. When to me, yeah. it should have been an a, the absence of interesting choices would have made it absolutely. more interesting. So. Absolutely, absolutely, <laughs> no, it's absolutely true. It's the choices that he made. I'm like that doesn't fit, especially into a trilogy, and you're coming in for one movie. Yeah. Because he had said, I'm only doing one, if I remember correctly. I think he had said, I'm only doing this one. And then, you know, and then it was left up to whomever else it was going to be for nine. And it ended up being J.J. Abrams, obviously. And this is the, like, complaint that I had with J.J. I'm like, oh, wait, 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 wait. You're only going to do seven? Mm-hmm. And not the entire thing? Like, what? How how is that gonna work? Yeah. And I don't think it did. Um, yeah, no, I know. I hear you. I hear you. But getting back, I never said I wanted to burn Ryan Johnson in effigy or anything like that. I just didn't love the choices that he made for the Skywalker saga. That's all. Okay. All but right. this is also the person. If if, if I were if we if to helm a Star Wars franchise it would have been a artsy political drama that no one would have seen so you know what difference does it make see uh we're probably out of time um but yeah i actually have the same beef with dave filoni like i consider dave filoni like a star wars hipster and uh he's just like he does the exact same thing um it there's a lot of ego there and it's like well for sure they're like his everything he says sounds like well actually and it's like i know you all think it's this but well actually and then to me like it has the same it has the same tone problem like that uh that i feel like the last jedi has and I and I actually think J- really? I think JJ got it right. He got the tone right. It was like a big sweeping space opera, and uh, just like um, I don't know, because I finally finished Clone Wars. I'm like pretty far into Rebels, and it's just not it's not totally my thing. And, mm-hmm. and I I just think it's pretty telling when you hear. Filoni talk how he's like I just think he's a Star Wars hipster he's like sure yeah uh, sure, he, I he, can see that. he has Star Wars on vinyl and everyone else is listening to CD and yeah for sure for sure you know um, look at my refined taste here like that's like what he's constantly saying but it's like I don't know we can talk about it another time but sure it started with the Clone Wars movie, and I just never got on the Dave Filoni train. And like m- okay. most Star Wars fans are definitely on the Dave Filoni train, and I'm, okay. I never okay. got on. Okay. So. okay, okay. Is there anyone that you that you currently like then? 
Uh, Deborah Chow. I like her a lot. Oh, okay. 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 Because she's, cause she's the... She's the, uh, the main producer for Kenobi. Is that... She's a showrunner. Is that true? That's right. Yeah. Right, 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 right. But I think she was... I think she's one... I think she's... I think that's her baby. I could be yeah. mistaken. Yeah. Yeah. She... And, you know, I think she, she cut her teeth on The Mandalorian. But some of... Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, okay, I actually do... I did really like the Mandalorian episode that Dave Filoni directed. Uh, I think it's just called The Jedi. And it's the one with Ahsoka. Yeah. It's the one with Ahsoka, yeah. Yeah. That one I actually do really like a lot. Um so, so I guess maybe the live-action Dave Filoni stuff I like a lot more than, than the animated stuff. I don't know. But it's all good. Excellent. We can talk about it again another time. When Andor... I'm sure we will. When Andor, I'm sure we will. I'm sure when Andor comes Cannot out... Cannot wait. Cannot wait. Three weeks away. Cannot wait. I'm sure we'll have many discussions. Cannot wait. so looking forward to it i'm the actually and and you know this but it's the most excited i've been about a star uh, a star wars story in a long time me even too. more than kenobi me too and and this is just based on the trailer yeah exactly um. exactly and coming off of what was my second favorite star wars film of all time yeah I'm not quite as high on Rogue One as you. I had not, I didn't have a problem with it, but um, I'm just more uh, just based on the the scene that they release in the trailers. I think it looks like yeah. I'm I am way more excited about it than than anything I have been probably since since uh, a very long time. Okay. Yeah. So I'm sure we will. Have weekly discussions about it, my friend. I'm sure we will, buddy. All right, my man. Hey. All right. Um, yep. Everyone, thanks for listening. And uh, follow us on Twitter. And I have a Discord server, which I'd love it. If someone listening to this hopped on and debated with me about stuff, uh, I will put the link to the Discord server on Twitter. Uh, I don't think it's currently there. Um, but yeah. Thanks for subscribing, and until next time, live long and prosper. And may the Schwartz be with you. Oh, what a world, what a world.